I never know what to do unless I look at Renessa. So I have to look at Renessa out here. She goes like this. Mm. Mm. Welcome. We're so grateful that you came to Memorial United Methodist this morning. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor. We're so grateful that you're here today. We're grateful to Miss Laura Morris and the choir of the Blue Ridge, uh, Blue Ridge High School, two of which are uh, members of our church. Um, uh, the Shannon twins are uh, in the choir and also going on a trip. We believe in um, radical hospitality. We believe in passionate worship. We believe in intentional faith development. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. We believe in extravagant generosity. And we try to frame our announcements in those beliefs. So if you'll turn to your bulletin and open to the part on radical hospitality, we have one that's a little bit different, and that's um, having Laura speak. Laura's going to tell us just a little bit about their trip, and part of their coming is to um, get the word out about their choir and also uh, to sing in churches so that those churches can donate to the trip. And you're going to hear about that uh, trip right now. Right there. Good morning. I'm Laura Morris. I'm the director of choirs at Blue Ridge High School. Um, and we're here this morning just to sing for you and worship God through music. Um, but also we're here to tell you about our trip that's coming up in April. We're actually traveling to New York City to sing at Lincoln Center under the direction of Eric Whitaker. And for those of you who don't know who that is, I like to tell people that it's like a basketball team being invited to have a clinic with LeBron James. Um, and he's the guy in choral music right now. And we auditioned and applied among tons of choirs across the country to be able to have this opportunity and they chose us. Um, this is only maybe half of the group that's going. We have 52 kids going to New York um, and the whole choir itself is 250 kids from across the nation so we make up 52 of those spots. And you can imagine that that kind of trip costs a lot of money <laughs> and so we're just doing everything we can to fundraise and just to be able to raise a lot of that trip for these students and one way that we're doing that is we're going to local churches and we're singing and we're just asking for help from the community for this trip. Um, if you don't, whatever you feel led to give, that would be great. Any, every little bit helps. Um, but it's such a great experience for these kids to be able to go and sing in that environment under that director. And we all know that one of the greatest ways to worship is through music. And so these kids have the opportunity to go and do that um, under the direction of Eric Whitaker and just be able to have that experience in New York. One of the songs that we're singing today, um, if you look in your bulletin, the Luke's a Room is by Eric Whitaker. So you'll get a taste of what, his, what kind of music he does and how it sounds. Um, and it's very beautiful. They love singing his music. So we're just very blessed to have this opportunity and to just be able to share that with you today. Thank you. Thank you. You're here. If you want to give to them, you certainly can as the offering plate goes by. We'll do it for weeks for today to make sure that you get the opportunity. And there'll be a digital link if you would like to give electronically um, in the email coming out in the coming weeks um, to contribute. And uh, I know that you will. It's a, it's a great opportunity. Um, we have visitor cards and prayer cards in your pew. If you would like to participate in the prayer life of our church, you can fill out a card and our Tuesday prayer group will get it. If you're a visitor and would like to give us any sort of contact information, we'd love to have it. And we'll contact you in the way that uh, you provide for us. We have newsletters that came out last 
week. If you would like to get one, didn't get one, there'd be one uh, on your way out the door. There's also an e-version of that that goes out every Tuesday and Thursday in our email. If you say what email, uh, check your email. If you aren't getting it, you can write our uh, office manager, Leslie, Leslie at memorialgreer.com. She'll add you to it. You'll be informed of what's going on. We believe in passionate worship. And I want to tell you about our consecration Sunday schedule. Those of you who are our guests because of the choir or new this day, you've caught us on one day out of 52. One Sunday in which we talk a great deal um, about the select particular giving of our people. And you'll see a step chart in your bulletin. If you'll uh, give us patience as we go through that, I think it will be uh, helpful in understanding how people give and what we are calling people to do. That will come uh, later if you'll disregard that in the current worship order. Uh, Consecration Sunday is next week. There is one 10 a.m. service next week in our sanctuary. There's a celebration dinner in our Family Life Center following that uh, service. The celebration dinner is free of charge. You just need to tell us that you're coming uh, or that you're not coming so that we uh, know that. Um, the uh, Aaron Knight is doing Advent Family Home devotionals, things that you can take with you uh, throughout this season of Advent. We're trying not to print way more than we need. We want to be good stewards of paper and money and all sorts of stuff, but we will do absolutely as many as we need plus 10 uh, to give them to uh, guests. If you would like one of those out from the attendance register, just put Advent Home Devotional or Devotional and put the number and we'll print that exact amount and then you'll be able to get it when they're ready. We believe in intentional faith development. Um, Consecration Sunday impacts that next Sunday. Uh, we don't have uh, children, youth, and adult programs next Sunday night. Uh, the youth will be going on a trip this weekend uh, to Asbury Hills. If you'll consider them, they'll be coming back in time for the celebration dinner. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. We want to connect to the community as much as we possibly can. And Adam Wycliffe is going to tell us about an opportunity uh, today. Morning. So many years ago, Merle State was um, a member of our church, Memorial United Methodist, led an effort to build a soup kitchen. And today, that soup kitchen feeds over 50,000 plates of food a year. That's a lot of food. Within the past few years, this, the leadership of this church has helped Daily Bread Ministries raise over half a million dollars to build a homeless shelter. Both these missions from Daily Bread Ministries show Christ's love through action to help end hunger and homelessness in the Greer community. But we can't do it alone. We need your help. So next Sunday, uh, November 19th, 2 o'clock, I know we have nothing else going on that day, so we have plenty of time, but we're holding our 13th annual Merle State Hunger Walk uh, to help raise funds and awareness of Daily Bread Ministries programs. There's a short walk from our church parking lot over here down to the soup kitchen. And uh, it's a great way for your family to help bring awareness in our community and support one of Greer's relief uh, agencies. If you want to bring your dog, you can. If you have two dogs, bring them both. If you have four dogs, just not too sure about that. But uh, so dogs are welcome. T-shirts will be available. Uh, we're also doing a raffle as well. If you have any questions, you can uh, ask me. I'm Adam Wycliffe, by the way. And, um, or you can contact the Greer Soup Kitchen. We believe in extravagant generosity and we'll devote a period of our service today. You'll see that in people that share uh, what this church means to them and in our lay leader sharing the step chart. We have only one other announcement. 
This is a pictorial directory. This has represented great angst, great pain, great joy, great effort, great imaginative nature of creating. There's one. There's only one. I'm going to let you see it. Don't make me put a security team with it, like it's a crown jewel or something. There's only a couple changes we have to make. Uh, Lori Gibson, our CEP director, accepted a wonderful job in Greenville. Uh, so we'll change the picture to our new director. Her name's Elizabeth Sperling. Uh, she's uh, from Lyman UMC. Um, the contact information in the back is not set. It's not. That's our last thing. Aaron Knight designed it. Leslie Pace wrangled it. Good people um, from the foundations class chased it. And it is a thing. I promise you, it's a thing. So I'm going to pass that around, and it will be coming out soon, as soon as we get things settled. And my goodness, if you see members of the Foundations class, Leslie Pace or Aaron Knight, just give them a hug and say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for their effort. Um, if you, and if you all will um, just take a look at it very quickly and, and um, pass it on. If you'll stand and join me in our first hymn, number 384.
us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson is Psalm 78. It's on page 914 and 915 in your pew Bible. A mascal of Asaph. O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Each week we have Consecration Sunday speakers come forward, people who um, have been deeply touched by our church to share why this church um, means a great deal to them, why their faith means a great deal to them as a process of building towards Consecration Sunday. Today it's Ben and Linda Hannon. I'm going to invite them to come forward. Good morning. Uh, Joe, about three weeks ago you were talking about service, uh, what we could do, uh, getting phone calls from different people, and they were asking us to do different things in the church, and we would be uncomfortable, and I think you had one from uh, someone, and you said, you want me to do what? Uh, is there not someone better qualified for this than myself? Well, I got that phone call from Marion Waters. And do I need to tell you anymore? I'm now standing here, and I'm thankful to Marion for this opportunity. Uh, this church uh, 
Linda has been in this church her whole life. Uh, I've been a part of this church for 31 years. Uh, both my boys, Luke and Reese, have been here their whole lives. I remember uh, coming home from college uh, after a week of classes, a week of ball practice, uh, playing the game on Saturday night, no matter where, drove home. Uh, of course, it didn't hurt that Linda would be here on Sunday morning, but, you know. Uh, I remember uh, teaching Sunday school, coaching basketball, uh, playing softball. We always have been an active part of this church. Uh, Linda and I have always told our children to surround themselves with exceptional people. Uh, what better place than Memorial Methodist Church? Uh, just to mention a few of the exceptional people in this church, we have that's made a big impact on my family. Uh, we have George Strait, Marion Waters, John Rush, Bill Davis, and now Joe. Uh, Memorial has offered us on our campus, we have the FLC, the social hall, this beautiful sanctuary that we're in. Our ministries, which include the contemporary service, the traditional service, the leisure ministry programs, external ministries. All of these programs are and people are a vital part that makes Memorial a special place in our home. As we celebrate Consecration Sunday next week, I hope you will not only prayerfully consider your gift, but to take the next step, stretch it. Thank you. Johnson forward as well. Ralph is the lay leader and then the United Methodist Church that is the person who represents you at every single meeting and worship service. Never in my 15 years prior to ministry have I seen someone take it as seriously as Ralph does. He's everywhere helpful, insightful and thus the person that leads us through the step chart. Thank you Joe. Good morning. Um, I've been asked to go over the one-step chart that's part of our new consecration program. But uh, before I do, let me say that uh, we owe a great deal of thanks to Marion Waters for leading this program. Unless you've been a part of it in the past, then you know how much, uh, you don't know how much preparation is involved. So if you see Marion, tell him how much you appreciate his efforts. I'm sure he would also tell you to thank our office manager, Leslie Pace, for her support as well. Over the past three weeks at both services, we have uh, heard members of our congregation stand up here and share with us their personal stories about what Memorial means to them. Um, they've been inspiring. Robbie Septon, I think two weeks ago, um, and then uh, last week, Hal talked to us. I, I got to tell you, I had no clue that uh, Hal had such a dry sense of humor. And then uh, we were inspired today by Benny and Linda talking to us. <clears throat> we all have a reason for being here today. We all have a story. Uh, in some way, God has led each one of us here. Uh, now, Marion only asked me to go over the one-step 
uh, chart and not to share any testimony, but uh, I can't pass up an opportunity to share just a few words about the legacy and the tradition of giving uh, that is part of uh, Memorial. In April of this year, <clears throat> my mother lost a four-year battle with cervical cancer. She was 93 years old and had been a member here since 1944. Uh, last year, at about this same time, uh, she made her pledge for 2017. And although she knew she would not live more than a few months, she was adamant that her 2017 pledge uh, be fulfilled, and she made provisions for that. But she's not alone. She's not exceptional. Um, I've known other members of Memorial who continued to give even though they were in a nursing home or a shut-in at home. And then all of the uh, wonderful, generous gifts that have given, been given by people in their wills when they passed away. And why do you suppose they did it? Well, I would suggest that they felt a special bond with Memorial. They believed in what Memorial was doing and what she was capable of doing in the future. Look at this beautiful facility. Uh, read the names on the Memorial plaques around the campus. Look at the name in front of you on the pew if you're sitting on an aisle. Um, all of those people these stained glass windows are the same. There are names on those stained glass windows. Everywhere there are reminders of those who came before us. And now it's our turn to continue that legacy by taking the next step. <clears throat> now let's talk about Consecration Sunday. During this coming week, each one of us will hopefully, thoughtfully, and prayerfully consider the spiritual question, what percentage of my income is God calling me to give? In your bulletin this morning is an insert. Please take it out and look at the side with the stair steps. I'm going to give you some numbers to fill in at each step. And uh, you should be able to find a pencil there in the pew. I want you also to know that the numbers that I'm about to give you were prepared by our financial secretary. No one else um, is privy to them. Now, starting at the lower left-hand corner, you will see a place where there are, where it says members and it says zero. I want you to fill in the number 113. This means that 113 of our members are not recorded as contributing to the financial support of the church this year. The next step up, write the number three. So that means three members give up to $4.99 a week. As an example, that could represent uh, two sausage biscuits and a cup of coffee at a fast food place. <clears throat> the next step is uh, $5 to $9.99. Write in four members. You can probably get to see a matinee at the movie theater for $10. I'm not sure. 
Um, the next step, write in 11 members who give 10 to $20 a week. So let's continue up the stairs. From $20 to $30, write in 23. The next step is 30 to 40, write in 11. From 40 to 50, write in 14. From 50 to 75, write in 22. From 75 to 100, write in 16. Now, I want to tell you before I go any further, if you were privy to last year's number like I was, these same numbers, what you will see is that people have taken a step up. There are a lot more people in these higher giving areas than there were last year. Okay, the next step is 100 to 150. That's 31 members. The next step is 150 to 200 is three, and above 200 is two. Now, if you would turn that sheet over, and look at the back side. <clears throat> look at the left-hand column and follow it down until you come to a number that's closest to your weekly income. And now move left to right and find the number closest to your weekly giving. Then move your eyes to the top of the page and you will see the percentage of your income that that represents. During the coming week, each one of us will ponder the question, what percentage of my income is God calling me to give? Is it possible for me to move up a step? Okay. I hope that everybody has filled out a, uh, a reservation for next week's um, luncheon. And even if you are not coming, we encourage you to fill one out. If you don't fill one out, even though you're not coming, you're going to get a phone call Monday or Tuesday because we need to know how many people to prepare for. Um, and as a reminder, our service uh, will be held at 10 o'clock tomorrow or next Sunday uh, here in the sanctuary. And then we'll move after our service to the uh, Family Life Center for our catered luncheon. In closing, I hope your family will set aside some quiet time this week. You'll turn off the TV, put down that iPad, silence that iPhone, and talk to each other and pray about what percentage of your income God is calling you to give to his work through this conversation, through this congregation. And I think Joe's going to probably talk about it a little bit later, but uh, if you see a veteran today, thank him for, ser for his service.
such different instances of music this entire week as I've traveled and in our nine o'clock we had a children's choir sing doesn't matter what kind it is it's beautiful and we and we thank you for it we thank you for being here let's pray to I'm sorry before I say that veterans of all types if you would please stand for just a moment I know you don't want to I'm going to ask you to stand just a moment If you're in any sort of crowd, you might be surprised by who stands up. You just might be. You don't, not certain because so many people don't want to share it. They don't want to take credit for the fact that they did it, and I completely understand that. Um, the text today um, has to do with Consecration Sunday. The season has to do with the lectionary, but it also has to do with celebrating Veterans Day this weekend, and I encourage you to pray with me uh, as we consider all of that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the contributions of men and women throughout our history, throughout our country. People who have gone on peacekeeping missions, people who have gone to give aid, people who have gone to stand in harm's way. Those who are going and fighting when we know about it, and those who are going and fighting and will never receive honor and credit for it. For them we are grateful. And though we truly seek peace with everything, everything that we have and can be, there are times in which we must stand in someone's way. And we're grateful for veterans and everything that they do in order to do that. And in this busy season, with many activities, family, plans, calendar items, tests, papers, exams swirling around us, we call you this morning, Lord, to give us focus, attention, purpose to the reading of the text this day that you may give us a window of time in which we are truly paying attention and listening 
that we may be inspired, that we may be changed, that we may impact our family, our workplace, our school, our community for you. Inspire us this morning, Lord. Teach us, guide us as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And as you see in the bulletin, you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically. Uh, if you would like to contribute to the choir going to New York this week or in the weeks to come, just make sure that you uh, signify that. You'll see if today, if you think, ah, oh, that's right, um, you'll see links in our emails that give you opportunities uh, for weeks uh, to contribute to this wonderful cause.
Please be seated. I'm going to read from a different translation this morning than is in your pews. It's from the Common English Bible, so I encourage you simply to listen along this morning. Before we read, let's talk about military schools, high schools, colleges, preparatory schools, boot camp for any branch of the military. It has three very serious components in addition to other things that have to happen. But these three things must happen in boot camp. You must deconstruct weakness in order to construct strength. You must take those things in an individual in which they've told themselves for 15, 16, 18, 19 years, now I probably can't do that. Or I don't need that. Or I don't need to learn that. And take those out. So that you can then build true strength. Not propelled strength. Not uh, strength that you try to put out there that's not really there. But true strength that comes from within. The second thing you need is a deep bond for peers. You have to know in your heart as you are building that within yourself that the only way that you're your best self is to be around other people who are trying to be their, their best self as well. Because there's times you don't want to finish that run. There's times you don't want to do that extra pull-up. There's times when you do not think based on lack of food, lack of uh, rest, that you can do it. And so those peers press you beyond your normal boundaries, your normal skill set. And that's the third thing. It wants to teach you skill sets that become reactions rather than thoughts. So that when you see something that needs to be done, you don't need to do a lot of heavy thinking about it. It's a reaction to respond to that individual, to stand in the way, to make sure that whatever needs to happen needs to happen regardless of the circumstances that are swirling around you. Deconstruct weakness and construct strength. Build a deep bond for peers and skill sets that become reactions rather than thoughts. They must prepare. 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 And then wait. And they got to wait a long time sometimes. And I heard it many times um, at the Citadel, hurry up and wait. Get everything you have, get everything you need, get in the spot, and it may not even happen, and it may not happen for a while. That is directly tied to the message today from Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 1. It reads, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Now five of them were wise and the other five were foolish. The foolish ones took out their lamps but didn't bring oil for them. But the wise one took their lamps and also brought containers of oil. So there's a couple of parts of this that we don't get. We get weddings, but we don't get the groom determining when the wedding's going to be. That has nothing to do with our current culture, much less not even looking ahead 10 months from now. It's going to be at 6 p.m. It's when the groom comes, whenever. We don't have any concept of that. We have concept of lanterns and oil. We've seen it. You see it in Cracker Barrel, but we don't use them more often than not. Unless it's a novelty that we love, we love the beauty of it. 
let me tell you two things that are happening in the very beginning. We're setting up a division. Fools, not fools. Now, if I simply said to you, I want all the fools to get on this side, and I want people who are not fools to get on this side, how many of you would voluntarily walk over there and say, yeah, yeah I'm a fool. I'm a moron. Anybody going to do that? No, you say, oh, um, there's probably other people. Other people are fools. In fact, I can name five of them for you, if you like. He says, wise and foolish. It's going to cause two reactions when people hear that. And I think it has to do with being wise and being foolish. Certain people are going to hear division that some people were wise and they did this and some people were foolish and they did that. And they say, well, I'll never do anything foolish. I'm clearly the wise one in this story. Maybe not. But if he said, tell me which one does what? If a person hears a leader say, there were wise people here and there were foolish people here, and they say, what were those people doing so that I can either not do it or do it? That leads to wisdom. But the lanterns, we don't use them that often. Let me give you some modern examples. You got your laptop, you're working in class, you have no cord. You got your laptop, you're in the airport waiting area, you got no cord. You downloaded a movie on your iPad, you did not bring your charger. There's 12% left. The flight is eight hours. Got nothing. You got a cell phone that you're gonna take on a trip, maybe to New York. Maybe you're going to take some pictures. Maybe you look down. Maybe you say, my storage is full. I can take two pictures over the next seven days of New York. Which two pictures are you taking? Right? And that's because you didn't know the storage limit was coming. It pops up when you take the very last one. So you've got to have Wi-Fi. You've got to upload all of that. You've got to pull it off that. And before you can do that, you need to do the update to the phone. And before you do that, you've got to have a charger. You don't have a charger. That captures it, doesn't it? We've either been in one of those places or the other. And there's a serious difference between having nothing and having something as you're departing. Um, I'll give you an example. Unless this, yeah, this is the open pocket side. Here's my cell phone, which has to work around my microphone. I'm walking out the door. Don't have a cell phone. Walk back in, get my cell phone. But if I'm packing for a trip, if I'm going away for seven days, and I'm about to walk out the door, and I pat my leg and my cell phone's there, I'm good. Nope. No, because the charger's in my room. And the other charger's in a bag that I'm not taking. And the other charger's in my office. It's not going. I'm leaving town without the charger for my cell phone. And you say to your peers, hey, can I borrow your cell phone charger? And what do they say? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're friends and all, but I kind of have to charge my cell phone. Right? Think of that notion as we read this text. People who have nothing are keenly aware and fight or scramble to get it. People who have something 
often are unwilling to trade that something for the thing that's been offered to them either in the Old Testament by God and the New Testament by Jesus. The formula plays out again and again by humans. A woman who was by a well, who was excluded by her peers, in a nation that was excluded by every nation around them, is invited by Jesus to participate. She has nothing. She has no social standing. She has no hope. She has no purpose. And Jesus says, I want you to come follow me. What do you think she said? Of course. But he also approaches people who have a little something. And he says, I want you to trade that something for everything. And they say, mm -hmm. no, I know a little bit about this something. I've worked my whole life to get this something. Either it be a career or whether it be a relationship or whether it be a thing that we have. We can't do anything with that. So he says to people, when you have nothing is when I can work with you. Verse 5. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight there was a cry, Look, the groom. Come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps have gone out. But the wise bridesmaids replied, No, because if we share with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and yours. We have a better idea. You go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. At midnight. With very little time. At a place that might not be open. At a time when the groom is coming back. You're late. Is that a comfortable feeling? Is it a comfortable feeling to be on Highway 29 and depend on other people to get out of the way to make it to the place where you want to get when you're late? Mm -mm. Is it a comfortable feeling for you to get off 14 and on 85 going into Greenville when you've got the exact amount of time to get to that meeting in Greenville? Mm -mm. Is it fun to be preparing for something that's 8 o'clock? And you need every bit of traffic and every person to get out of the way and you need every light. When you are late, you are pressed. It stretches resources, it causes frustration, it causes deep fatigue before you ever do anything. In fact, it's amazing to me that I'm reading this text when y'all are here because I was going on a trip in high school. I could drive by then, so I had to drive to the school. I got all my stuff, I was running around late. I put all my stuff in my trunk. I have no idea why. I dropped the keys in the trunk. I slammed the trunk down. Bang! Car's locked. Can't get in. Cannot go. If I did go, if my parents took me, I wouldn't have any of my stuff. This thing, is this real to you? This is deep pain. I go into my parents. My dad was not comforting. He said, you did what? And my mother said, don't yell at him. He's stressful. <laughs> Got to have my suitcase. Got to get in the car. Got to get to school. Because we are leaving town. What do you think I did? Hammer. I smashed the window of my car. And I've told you different versions of this in different settings that we've been in. 
if you ever have to smash a window of your car to get an item, don't smash your window. Smash the back passenger window. It's on the other side. Pro tip. So I smashed it. I got my keys. I got in the car. I got on my way. And I was late and just a wreck. And I'm certain that that pressed my parents that day too. I'm sure they weren't the same that day either. These five bridesmaids now have to go on the run and find it and get back. Verse 10. But while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding. Then the door was shut. Later one of the bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep alert because you don't know the day or the hour. Does that sound like Jesus? Does that sound like the church? Does that sound like everything you've ever heard in order to be Christian? If you're not here on time, shut the door and don't let them in. Hmm. That's because the majority of this text is not about that. The majority of the gospel is not about that standard. And in fact, when Jesus talked to people, actually interacted with real people, he was generous. He was patient. He drew them in. But once they were in, he gave them images, stories, parables, illustrations of deep pain and regret and told them, you've got to elevate your behavior now that you're here. Getting in doesn't, isn't everything. He said, I'm going to include all of you. But once you're here, we're going to elevate who you are and what you do. By doing what? Deconstructing weakness in order to construct strength. By building a deep bond for peers. By giving skill sets that become reactions rather than thoughts. It's exactly the same with different material. It's the exact same goal to draw us in and build us up. And as much as I talk about the corporate responsibility in our hymnal, we have the baptismal vows where y'all say, I say to the family, are y'all in it? Are y'all going to do this? Yes. I say to the congregation, are y'all going to support them in this? Yes. It's all combined together. As part of the communion liturgy, I say, we have all fallen short and are broken. We confess and we all confess together. Then I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven to all of you. And you, all of you, say back to me, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. It's corporate. But this story is telling us there's an individual component as well. As much as we try to make worship great, as much as we try to offer it digitally and podcast and in the video, as much as we try to make our website the best it can be, as much as we try to communicate to you and offer the five practices, there are responsibilities on the part of individuals when you leave this place. And to me, that's the oil. When Jesus spoke in those images, in those parables, it was often confusing to people because they thought he was being literal. So in order to be Christian, we need more oil in our candles. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to give you an image that you use all the time to help you understand that you must recharge. You must rest. You must pray and try to interpret what God is telling you to do. What does it mean for our daily actions? 
It means creating time for thought and prayer. And if I tell you that today, if I tell you that in November, just before Thanksgiving, what are you going to tell me back? Mm -mm. No, because I got a chemistry final and people are coming to my home and we're traveling to someone else's home and they're going to say that thing and they're going to do that thing and I've got to just get away and stare at something blankly in order to even be okay, in order to be able to go or host or take a test. He says, if you can create this time of prayer and reflection, if you can be intentional about rest and wellness, do you get enough sleep? Do you get enough exercise? Am I piling on you right now and you're saying, look, I'm trying to do the best I possibly can. Seriously. I'm trying to do my best. It's not guilt. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity. I had people tell me when I was coming here the nature and the size of this church, if I continued on my current path, it would burn me out in a little more than two years. What do you think veterans know about that? Everything. How much do you think I listened? A little bit. I listened a little bit. I haven't rested like I should. I haven't exercised like I should until two months ago. Two months ago, I reached a point where I said, I've got to create time and space. I've got to go to bed earlier. I've got to wake up earlier. I've got to walk and I've got to get peace because if I go from angst to angst to angst to angst to angst to angst to late to worry to pain, I've got nothing left for anything else. I'm not giving that as an like, uh, obscure example. <laughs> I'm telling you that it's real and that I had to make a very real choice to do it. When I started in ministry in 2000, I weighed 205 pounds and had just come out of the Citadel and could run across the state. And as I've taken less rest and eaten more food and having more stress and paying less, a time, less time to prayer and um, time of reflection, it's cost me. And I'm guessing that same thing can cost you. I'm guessing that you might not have the same struggle that I do in creating the space for whatever it may be. And this text is imploring us that we will find ourselves in darkness if we don't create that space. I'm not talking about judgment. I'm not talking about exclusion. I'm talking about our willingness in order to participate. And many times it's self-inflicted. If I've got less energy, less hope, I want less human interaction. You know what that causes? Slightly more despair due to less human interaction based on deep bonding for peers, which gives me a little less hope, which gives me a little less energy, which causes a pattern to go down and down and down. But if I sleep and if I rest, and if I read, and if I pray, all of a sudden, the momentum goes the other way, and I bet that is the case for you. He said to disciples who were burned out, 
after 18 to 36 months of a tour that you cannot fathom. You need space and you need time. Creating time for intentional thought and prayer, being intentional about rest and wellness, and leaning on a group or a group of individuals that supports you. These are the things that this text is calling us to do, and it couldn't be any more critical than this particular season of the year in order to do them. If you say, well, um, what should I pray? Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, help me avoid being a fool. Lord, give me rest. Help me avoid, avoid approaching my loved ones with nothing left. Lord, give me purpose. That I may honor and serve you because you first honored and served me. Lord, give me peace in this season that does not offer it. That I may be someone who offers it to anyone whom I meet with my actions and my words because I've been intentional about rest. You must have that oil and I encourage you find ways to get it, to attain it, to hold it, and to share it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join us for our last hymn, number 127. And if you could make sure that I get the directory back where on earth it is.
Ms. Morris, thank you so much. We appreciate the opportunity. Renessa, thank you for coordinating that. Thank you, kids, students, for being here. We wish you well on the journey. Um, we're going to give you all the opportunity, I would say, through November uh, to contribute to this trip, and you'll see links on how to do that. You can also do it as the plate comes by for the next couple of weeks. One service next week. One service at 10 o'clock in here, um, followed by the dinner. Wherever the directory is, raise it up in the air. <laughs> Yes, Miss Ann, that's a good person to have it. I'm going to let you have it. Um, I'm going to let you bring it to me, thank you, so I don't get fired by my own office manager. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.